The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals being interviewed and do not necessarily represent those of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. You're listening to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker. Each episode, I get the privilege to speak to the amazing people taking Winter Haven and its surrounding Central Florida area to the next level. We're future-focused, celebrating our entrepreneurial history and leveraging it for our bright future ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Happening in the Haven. I'm your host, Katie Worthington Decker, President and CEO of the Greater Winter Haven Chamber of Commerce. This podcast is produced by the Winter Haven Chamber and recorded at Dolphin Image Studios in Winter Haven. Our producer from Dolphin Image Studios is Joe. Hey, Joe, tell our listeners a little bit about the studios. Thanks, Katie. At Dolphin Image Studios, we are a full production film and television studio. We offer a 3,000-square-foot soundstage, a psych wall, an LED wall, a podcast studio, and a massive eight-acre backlot for all of your filming needs. To find us, go to facebook.com backslash Dolphin Image Studios, or find us on Instagram at Dolphin Image Studios. On today's episode, we speak to the energetic leader of the Winter Haven Regional Airport, Alex Vaca. You'll hear him speak about how much the airport has grown and what plans are in place for the future. We also speak to Lisa Pito, a nurse practitioner at Advent Health in Lake Wales, about the importance of establishing with a primary care provider. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of our sponsors who believe in advancing commerce and community in Winter Haven. We'd like to welcome and thank Mahalik Auto Group for sponsoring season two of our podcast. This family-owned and operated business was first founded in 1966 in Michigan by Ralph Mahalik Sr. The family opened Winter Haven Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram in 1991 and continued to expand in Polk County, now owning three additional dealerships at Posner Park, in Lake Wales, and Alfa Romeo Fiat of Winter Haven. Not only are their teams dedicated to finding you the perfect vehicle, but they are also focused on building a strong relationship with the community and treating their buyers like family. Find your new ride for 2021 and learn more at www.lowpaymentkings.com. I am flying high today as I am interviewing Alex Vaca, the young, enthusiastic director of the Winter Haven Regional Airport. I'm always surprised to learn how many people in Winter Haven aren't even aware that we have a municipal airport. But as a member of the city's airport advisory committee, I can tell you firsthand that the airport is an incredible asset to the community and has so much opportunity to continue to grow in both business and aviation educational opportunities going forward. So much of this forward momentum comes from its leadership, Alex Vaca. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here because I just think that you are doing amazing things out at the Winter Haven Regional Airport. Um, But you also have a very interesting background. So tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Are you from Polk County originally? No, actually, I grew up over in Pinellas, not too far from here. (laughs) And my wife's family grew up in Tampa. So we ended up landing in eastern Hillsborough County. Mm -hmm. But uh, my family, I have some family that lives in Lakeland. Mm -hmm. So I have Polk ties and and uh, now that I've been here for several years, I've, my heart is in all the airports in Polk County. So what brought you to Polk County initially? So, well, 
it, it kind of was right about when I was looking for a career in aviation mm-hmm. and I was looking through airlines and airports advertisements for job positions and I interviewed at a couple different places but what I ended up finding most attractive at the time was an advertisement to be the manager in Lake Wales mm-hmm. and then that's kind of what gave me my start I, I interviewed and and landed the position in 2016 and then from there on I've been Airport Alex. Yes, <laughs> as everybody knows you. <laughs> so what got you interested in aviation initially? Uh, I, I, I knew from very young, looking at airplanes and the noises, the sounds, the thrill of, mm-hmm. of being on an airplane for the first time, or really every time for, for me, uh, was what I was meant to be, what I was meant to do. And even coming through high school, the only college that I applied for was Embry-Riddle in Daytona Beach because it, really? it was the best school. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ever, it has a great reputation for being an aeronautical university, mm-hmm. and uh, I had my heart set on that. Yeah. So what's your background in military service? So the military career for me was um, kind of, I kind of lucked into that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really anticipating to do that. When I graduated high school and, and went to Embry-Riddle, I, I was kind of set to be an airline pilot. I thought that's what I wanted. And then ROTC... Uh, is a big deal at Ember-Riddle. They have all services there. And I met some friends, and then next thing you know, I'm taking a, a physical test and, and signing the contract, you know. <laughs> so we have your buddies to thank for that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, the the good thing is that Ember-Riddle is a very expensive school, mm-hmm. and at the time they were offering scholarships for ROTC students. Oh, there you th- go. That was attractive. Financial incentive, too. <laughs> yes, yes. So at that point, I think it was right about the middle of my freshman year, I switched gears, and next thing I was going to be an Army helicopter pilot. I pretty much knew from that point on. Wow. So what was that process like then? Do you finish at Emory-Riddle, and then when you're done with your college, then you are deployed? Or what, what happened for you? Sure. So the four years that you're there, you'll attend ROTC and, and, and go through the leadership program, starting from a young cadet to a senior cadet in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. As soon as you graduate college, you immediately commission into the military. I was a second lieutenant in the Army Reserve, Mm -hmm. and I moved back home in waiting to go to uh, aviation flight school, Mm -hmm. and that was in Fort Rucker, Alabama. So uh, within a year, I moved to Fort Rucker, and it takes a little over a year and a half to finish the flight school, but they start you off in small Bell 206 helicopters, and then you work your way up, Mm -hmm. and I uh, completed the advanced course in the Black Hawk helicopter. Oh, wow. Wow. So, you, but you have um, served overseas as well, right? Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I did two deployments. Uh, I exited the military last July with nine years of service, but it was kind of cool throughout the service. I like to tell people, what is it like flying a Black Hawk helicopter? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, imagine throwing on night vision goggles. So everything is green and it amplifies the light 2,000 times. And then uh, picture yourself doing about 150 miles an hour, about 50 feet over the tree line. Uh, wow. in and out of riverbanks, and that's what it's like flying military helicopters. <laughs> that's terrifying. It's pretty exciting. Actually. It's very thrilling. You're, see, I say terrifying. You're like, no, it's really exciting. <laughs> it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Yeah. I, I got the opportunity to fly uh, over a lot of the United zones, States. And you were in war zones, though, weren't you? I yes. mean, you were in combat areas. Yes. My entire career, I was in a medevac unit, so we were medical evacuation. Our goal was to get there as fast as we can and pick the patient up and bring him to the the site where they could receive higher care of treatment. Mm-hmm. And so you don't log a lot of flight time because you're getting there as fast as you can. But right. when you're waiting in idle, just like our local firefighters do, and that call rings, it's a, a big adrenaline rush to get the helicopter off the ground as soon as you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and exciting. if you're going to get somebody that's injured, you're typically going into dangerous areas when you do that. Right. I probably shouldn't keep asking you because your <laughs> wife or your family, although you're out of it now, right? Well, that's what so, I'll yeah. say, yes. The, the first deployment to Kosovo was mountainous and snowy yeah. and you know 
relative, I would say comparative to Iraq, relatively easy. Mm-hmm. The second deployment, the year in Iraq was very difficult on my wife and I, definitely. Right. It's a whole other attitude, atmosphere. Um, you're mission focused the whole time. Um, but it was a great experience, and I'm thankful to have been there and come back. Yeah, well, and you had just pretty much just started with the city of Winter Haven, right, when you were going on your second deployment? That's right. So 2016, I started in Lake Wales, and I managed the airport there for two years. And then I came to the city of Winter Haven in 2018, and I was called to service in 2019. So I just about got one full year in mm-hmm. uh, before the city, uh, unfortunately, had to take a leave of absence. Uh, but I was very excited and gave them updates throughout the entire process yes, until I came back. We so. enjoyed getting those emails from they, the city would forward them on to uh, to the airport advisory committee to let us know you were doing okay. That's great. So, yeah, uh, we were literally counting down the days. So uh, yeah. hopefully you could tell in the way we were writing, like only three months left. Well, you know. Exactly, exactly. Well, you are um, such a. a light is the word coming to my head right now. Um, You have so much energy when it comes to aviation and passion around um, airport administration, which sounds funny to say, but why did you decide, was it the happenstance of getting that experience in Lake Wales first that you decided to go more on the airport admin side versus, uh, you know, an everyday pilot or what, why'd you make that decision? That's a great question because Really, like I said in the beginning, I really thought I was going to be a pilot all the way, whether it's airlines or, or military. But I think priorities change and you start to realize that there's no place like home. Mm-hmm. I think deployments could probably do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the airline life is tough, a lot of traveling, and really any corporate pilot is the same way. But the airports that you that you take care of let mm-hmm. you go home every night, and, and that is really important to me. Yeah, no, that's right, especially with when you're starting a family and, and to be really grounded, um, literally. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's the only hard part is you have to watch people fly every day. Yeah, instead. yeah. I was gonna say so. How do you? Because um, as a pilot, you do you have to log certain hours to keep your license, or how does that work? Do you do you borrow a plane and fly in it? I guess when you run the airport, you know people that have planes. But how does that work? It's true. It's true. And that's probably been the biggest question in the mm-hmm. last year and a half since I've been back. Is hey, are you still flying? Are you still flying? Mm-hmm. And you know, I say. My wife and I are pregnant. We're mm-hmm. in. The, you know, we finally were able to start our family. We didn't want to miss anything while I was gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so to answer you specifically, the licensure does not expire. Okay. Uh, you have it for life, mm-hmm. um, but there are minimum requirements to stay current. Mm-hmm. And, and if you go too far, then you have to go with an instructor pilot and get checked out and be mm-hmm. able to fly again. But for us, uh, having life slow down a little bit is okay. It's a good <laughs> We're thing. okay. Yeah. yeah. So do you, because um, I know that there's different classifications, and I'm learning a lot being on the airport advisory committee, but... A helicopter license is different than other licensure, right, to fly. So do you have licensure for different types of planes? Uh, Yes. So I have my commercial in helicopters with instrument. So that means I can fly in bad weather and I can fly for hire in a helicopter. But in the fixed wing airplane, I only have my private pilot, which means I can take friends and family. Okay. But uh, in order for me to attain higher ratings, you're right, they they work in a ladder system and they're kind of different. So I'd have to do more training in the the fixed wing pilot side. Mm -hmm. So, as I mentioned, I serve on the um, Airport Advisory Committee for the City of Winter Haven. So, for those listeners um, that weren't aware that the City of Winter Haven has an airport, which I hope you were, but if you weren't aware, um, Winter Haven has the Winter Haven Regional Airport, and that name was changed uh, within the last two years since you've been here, right? We made that, that branding change. So, tell our listeners a little bit about the airport. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a real gem on the north portion of the city of Winter Haven. The Winter Haven Regional Airport's 520 acres right along U.S. Highway 92. 
has two runways, a primary 523, which is a little bit longer and a little bit wider for the larger aircraft, and then a secondary runway, a little bit smaller, a little bit narrower, and the secondary serves to help with the crosswind component for smaller single-engine airplanes, and that's the reason we have two. We have 135 small T-hangers, which are just like a car garage, but they're an airplane garage, and those are full. We have 35 executive box-style hangers. They're a little bit bigger, made for multi-engine or corporate uh, business-type air, uh, aircraft. They also serve for aviation businesses, the larger hangers do, mm-hmm. and those are at 100% occupancy as well. So the airport is in high demand. We have a city-managed FBO, fixed-based operator. So the city actually runs two components of the airport. The administration section has two administrators that take care of the the leaseholds and the regular administration as far as capital improvement projects and uh, other admin functions. The FBO, the fixed-based operator, is a whole other ballgame. So this can either be privately run or city-run. And in effect, for us, it is city-run. And that's when you see the aviation refueling trucks driving up and pulling up to, next to the airplane. Mm-hmm. It's when you walk into the door and you see uh, customer service agents greeting you, welcoming you to the airport in and out and helping you get that luggage in and out of the aircraft. And so we have six operations technicians that perform that service. Uh, so the city takes care of both of those functions as well as the restaurant is in the main terminal building. Hertz rental car services in the main terminal building, and a whole slew of other aviation-related services around the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of planes um, can fly in and out of the airport? Yeah, great question. We have an excellent based aircraft occupancy. Right around 200 aircraft are based at the airport, mm. and, and that includes airplanes parked outside. Majority of those are the small single-engine piston aircraft, uh, a large majority of which are owned privately and used for private for private for fun, kind of like owning right, a jet ski. Fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Slightly a, more expensive. Owning a jet ski or a boat, but but uh, but right, you're right. And uh, so that's the majority of our business. We sell approximately 150,000 gallons of aviation fuel a year, and about two thirds of that is aviation gasoline that goes in the small single engine airplanes or small multi engines. The jet fuel, about a third of our sales. Uh, you'll see in turboprop and s- very light to mid-sized jets that you probably hear uh, mm-hmm. kind of making some noise up in northern Winter Haven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised that I've only flown out of the Winter Haven airport once, and um, it was a friend that has a plane stored there. And it was kind of only ever being on large planes. I mean, the smallest plane I've ever been on is was probably 100 Cedar to Key West or something like that, right? Which we would call a crop duster when you walk out <laughs> when you walk out on the tarmac to climb up the stairs to get on it. Um, but what surprised me is when he said, "Oh yeah, meet me at the airport. Here's my hangar number." And you know, I I went through sc- the the gate security and and got back there. And he opened up the garage door and pulled out his airplane by hand. I started to have a panic <laughs> attack. It's a totally I was like, "What experience. am I about to get on?" I mean, it was. I have to say. One of the most beautiful experiences, we did it at sunset, and flying over Winter Haven at sunset is, I mean, it's just breathtaking. With You don't, we know there's 55 lakes that touch the city borders, and of course, so many more beyond the borders, but to see it from the air, and not that far above, but to see it from the air is just stunning. You just, it gives you this whole new appreciation for 
how phenomenally gorgeous the community we live in as you see it um, from the airport. It is, if you ever have an opportunity, whether it's, you know, uh, going to Preston Aviation and and booking a ride or whatever it is, it is worth every single penny. And in fact, um, is it this week? You've got a really special uh, plane that's out there this week, don't you? We did. And I I hate to regret to inform this to everybody, but the B-17 had a maintenance issue. (gasps) No! No! Yeah. The Experimental Aircraft Association uh, has a B-17 bomber World War II aircraft that they have on circulation to different airports throughout the year. And right now we're in the week of sun and fun, the second largest air show in the country. And the B-17 was scheduled to arrive today in Winter Haven, but unfortunately, and luckily caught ahead of time on a a typical (laughs) pre-flight. Right, right, right. Uh, They found a maintenance (laughs) issue and it will be out of service this week. Oh, no. Well, you're right. Thank goodness that was found ahead of time. (laughs) So that's right. So when this podcast um, airs next Monday, you will have successfully accomplished another sun and fun in the books, which is, of course... um, Florida's largest convention, Sun and Fun, is in terms of um, the number of people and the scale um, that that it comes in. And of course, it's primarily held um, at Lakeland uh, Linder Airport. But we see a lot of business through that as well, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, as in last check, the week before Sun and Fun, we already had 75 reservations. Those are people that are calling ahead to say, hey, will you have space for me to park my airplane? Mm-hmm. So a lot of transient traffic coming through. And the reason for that is, well, as we know, Sun and Fun is going to be a very busy airport all this week. And it's going to be very difficult for owners of aircraft to get in and out of the airport. So they look for smaller airports nearby that Mm -hmm. they can get into much easier. And for us, we try to encompass an all-inclusive service. So if you fly your airplane into our city, we help you park, we help you unload. We actually sell the wristbands tickets to Sun and Fun at our main lobby. Mm -hmm. And then we, as a city, offer a shuttle service to Lakeland Airport and back. Uh, you know, as a one-way or a round-trip ticket service. Yeah, that's great, because then you have to deal with parking over there and everything. And we drop them off right in the center of the show, not Mm -hmm. at the gate. You're already in. Oh, that's fantastic. That is quite the service. Yes. I mean, can the rest of us get on that (laughs) shuttle? (laughs) Um, There's there's an idea for you next year is we'll just sell tickets to the general public to to ride the shuttle. Absolutely. Um, So this is a frequently asked question we get, um, and I'm sure you've heard it too, but when is the Winter Haven Airport going to expand so we can have jumbo jets fly in? (laughs) I know. Well, we've seen so much expansion from Lakeland nearby. Uh, you know, I think the latest article had them at 1.5 billion in annual revenue um, generated by their by their airport, which is great news because all the airports in Polk County were very close. We worked together mm-hmm. uh, administratively, and so this, the spillover effect is definitely going to happen for for Bartow and airports uh, like ours in Winter Haven. So, you know, as far as our infrastructure is concerned, we've done quite a few projects over the last five years. Mm-hmm. I added it up, and it's. It's already $12 million in infrastructure improvements just in the last five years, mm-hmm. uh, with another $3.4 million in the upcoming year for a taxiway infrastructure project. So our infrastructure is quite robust, and the runway system itself is capable of handling mid-sized jets right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an excellent general aviation base. Uh, a lot of great people are based with us now, and I think there's definitely room for expansion. Uh, we're currently underway with an airport development plan project mm-hmm. to map out that, that roadmap on how to get... Uh, you know, larger hangars and larger aircraft based here. Uh, So I I think that's the initiative now. There is a possibility of extending our main runway in the future, but at this point, with our capacity at 100% and needing more right hangers that's yeah. that's the priority well and you've really picked to be the best at general aviation that you can be and so i think that's you, you 
one of the successful things a company can do is say, I'm going to be the best at this and let's accomplish that. And then, you know, and then we can discover what else. And something that's very unique to Winter Haven is the relationship that it has to seaplanes. Could you speak a little bit to that? Absolutely. Well, we're so fortunate to have such a beautiful landscape in our city. As you mentioned, it's you, you described what I tell people when I have field trips. It's the aviation bug. Once you take that first flight, it's just, it catches you, um, you know, and, and everybody in our field will tell you the same thing. It's just kind of once you're in, you're in. And uh, so the lakes around here are perfect for seaplane training. Jack Brown's seaplane base has been with the airport f- for so long, and they've trained more seaplane pilots than the whole world has mm-hmm. just at Jack Brown's here in Winter Haven. Uh, so it's a beautiful landscape. We see a lot of amphibious aircraft. Those are ones that can land on land and on sea. Uh, at our airport and if you've ever seen one you'll notice they're about twice as tall as a regular airplane Mm -hmm. because they have to have the wheel structure underneath the floats than than the airplane so they're quite tall Uh, but but we have quite a few amphibious seaplanes based here and just straight float airplanes and jack brown sees quite a few seaplanes come through them too because you can land on the water right there on lake jesse and pull right up to the dockside Mm -hmm. yeah very long history i found it funny so a couple fridays in a row i was doing the the winter haven segment on uh hall communications um w-o-n-n and i'd stand outside in my backyard to do the segment because the kids are inside and we do them at seven o'clock in the morning both radio interviews a seaplane was flying over i'm like sorry guys i'm in winter haven there's a seaplane flying over and this past weekend it was really neat we were outside in the backyard and i'm assuming it was landing on eloise because it was flying so low i mean i felt like it was right over our house to fly but i mean there's not a whole lot of places you can see that happen so it's very and especially for skylar who is fascinated with airplanes. I mean, that was one of her first words. Um, And when she's old enough or big enough, I want to take her out to come on a biplane ride because she's just fascinated with how it works. It's just really exciting to be able to see that. Yeah, what I would say, too, for those that are listening, uh, we do a lot of field trips. Mm -hmm. Um, All the local schools, well, pre-COVID, we had a lot more, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can still go out like I, I did a the field house had a summer camp this year and I went out and did a presentation um, to them and and I had even just no matter the size is is my point here is if you have a family in town that are that are interested in aviation have them come out to the airport meet our staff we'd be happy to give them a tour mm-hmm. and, and see if it might spark their interest and yes. make some future pilots no and that's been that's been really great we've had students that have come through um, that have said this is something that we're interested in, and we've been able to connect them. Of course, you've got the student group, um, which is the what's Aspiring the name? Aspiring Aviators Aero Club. Yes. Yep, and they're connected over to Winter Haven High School. There's an aerospace elective that's kind of catching some headway over there that that has a pretty good student following to teach uh, youth about aviation as they're coming up, and then hopefully feed into our aviation uh, development as we're you know building jobs with not only uh, pilots but there's mechanics and. Uh, baggage and there's there's so many avionics facets of aviation that you probably w- wouldn't know unless you you know met somebody and just learned a little bit more about it. Yeah, and I think that's what's um, unique about a general aviation airport is that it's not just about the pilots or the flying, but people can get exposed to. Uh, all of the parts of the industry that makes it work. Um, what other types of businesses are out at the Winter Haven Airport? Yeah, they're great. Every one of our business owners is so nice, and they work together. Uh, you, we try to make it really all-encompassing. If you want to come learn how to fly an airplane, you come to one of our flight schools based in Winter Haven. 
if you need your airplane to be worked on, well, not only can they conduct the annual and work just kind of like your car gets your oil change, get the plane work done, you can have upholstery done at the upholstery shop. You can take it over to a hangar that is a, a state-of-the-art beautiful paint booth and have it totally repainted. And the idea being that, well, your airplane's going to be out of service while it's being worked on. You know, why don't we do, why don't we see what it really needs done? Do the seats need to be reupholstered? Is there more that can be done all in, all in one swoop so that you can get back in the air sooner with all of your, mm-hmm. everything fixed? Yes. So what do you believe are the greatest strengths of our airport? We have a lot of a lot of amazing things going for us. Uh, we have an excellent tenant base, and we, which without a tenant base, uh, with over 200 airplanes based here, you know, where would we be? Uh, the capacity um, is just is just amazing. I, I love the tenants that we have. One of the big advantages we have is we have a restaurant on the field, Light Line Cafe, and it's in the terminal. And if you have never been, I highly recommend you go because there's a beautiful patio on the back of the restaurant that overlooks the airport. And you can see the airplanes take off and land and our operations staff welcoming them in. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Now, in the summer months, don't worry, on the inside, there's an air-conditioned mm-hmm. dining center mm-hmm. <laughs> where yeah, you can still nice, yeah. have breakfast and lunch. And it is open to the public Tuesday through Sunday, 9 to 2 right now. So you can have breakfast and lunch there. But uh, there's so many great assets. You know, Hertz is another big one that is great to have. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, when you land somewhere, if you've ever traveled, you need a rental car. And, you know, you're a, a lot less likely to not have your car there when they're based right in your terminal. Right. <laughs> All their cars are in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, you can feel rest assured that there's going to be a car there for you. Well, and I find one of the, from a um, maybe a taxpayer's perspective, since I wear lots of different hats, but I find one of the greatest strengths of the Winter Haven Airport is your ability to leverage federal dollars to for the benefit of the airport. So you mentioned the amount of investment that has been going into the airport, but all told, the city of Winter Haven puts in very little of that money. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how you are able to leverage those dollars? Absolutely. As I mentioned, we have $12 million in the last five years in infrastructure improvements and another 3.4 coming. That is, like you said, Katie, largely in part of our partnership with the federal government and the Federal Admin- Aviation Administration. They, on a typical year, offer grants at 90% coverage. And then the state of Florida usually will partner with us to split the difference, the remaining 10. So 5% to the state of Florida and 5% to the city, which is way more manageable uh, when you're talking about multi-million dollar grants. Mm-hmm. Now, with COVID uh, happening over the last year and now this this upcoming year, the FAA uh, and the federal government has stepped in even more beyond 90%. Uh, they offered 96% last year on a couple of our grants. And I just got off the phone with them last week that our taxiway improvement project, $3.4 million, they are going to cover 100% of this, wow. upcoming, this upcoming year. So Can't beat that. <laughs> I know. I know. We had a T-hanger project. So those those parking garages for airplanes. Mm-hmm. Last year, we built one. Uh, so 10 units. It's one long, narrow building. $1.2 million in construction. And the, the crazy thing is, now that we have it open, before construction, we had 30 on the waiting list. Now we opened 10 new units, and now we have 40 on the waiting <laughs> list. So <laughs> I don't know. We're going to need about three or four more of those buildings. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the demand is there. Uh, there's a, In the aviation world, almost all the airports in the state of Florida are on a waiting list. And mm-hmm. it just, the construction is so expensive and you really need to rely on those state and federal partners to help make it happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially in a year like COVID, when you think about 
it's something that you can do with just your family. You're outside for a lot of it. You can skip around, grab your to-go meal at the different airports around the state. But it, it's a great COVID activity, realistically, when you think about it, because yeah. you're kind of just with the people you self-selected to be around anyway. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, like RV sales have been through the roof. You know, it's just it. there's a lot of interest in in that. And it's a perfect activity. Um, for those uh, people looking to see the state um, and really enjoy it. Absolutely. And we've seen an increase, uh, you know, initially last March, April, we saw obviously a very steep decrease in our fuel sales. Mm -hmm. But in the last six or seven months, we've been exceeding years prior uh, on aviation fuel sales because, like you said, it's it's an outlet that can be done safely. Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to mention to uh, people that may, may not know Aviation is not that difficult to get into. You can find, just like you can find uh, used cars, you can find used airplanes that are reasonably priced. Uh, I'll, I'll admit that you know thirty to fifty thousand dollars is an expensive mm-hmm. hobby, mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't. You don't necessarily need to buy an airplane to get into it. You, you can go to a flight school, learn how to fly, and get your pilot's license, and then just rent if you'd like to just you know mm-hmm. do it every once in a while, so you don't have that weight of guilt feeling you're not using it you're paying for it right. to be stored somewhere kind of like an rv you're not using it right uh, but there are ways to rent and still uh, be able to fly affordably mm-hmm. yeah i have a friend that's in almost like a co-op where it's just a bunch of people that have purchased an airplane together and then they schedule their time frames and exactly. he flies to winter haven and um so what advice would you give to a young person that's thinking about a career in aviation First, I'd say, great choice. <laughs> You're on the right track. Uh, school is really important uh, in aviation. Polk State College has an excellent aerospace program. And I don't just say that because I happen to teach there part-time. Uh, but uh, but their aerospace program under Eric Crump, is the aerospace director, is doing really, really well. And it really sets students off on the right track. Um, but as with any career, my first recommendation would be to shadow someone and ask, ask questions and, and try to feel it out before you dedicate time to a school. Uh, one way that you can do that in the pilot sense is just about every flight school has a discovery flight option where you can just pay a one-time fee and go up in the airplane and see if you like it. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you know both ways. You come back and you're like, no way, Jose, <laughs> never again. Or, oh my gosh, I loved it and this is what I want to do forever. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great way to, to, to kind of figure it out. Um, but really, there are, there really are no bad careers in aviation, and it, it really is a, a place where people feel like a family when they work there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming in and doing the podcast today. I, I hope that our listeners felt your energy and your passion that uh, we have been able to see for the last several years that you've been a part of the city of Winter Haven, and really the um, the from the airport advisory committee to, as you said, your tenants and the businesses you have located to the consultants that you all bring together to, um, I mean, this airport, it already is fantastic, but it is going to blow people's mind within the next couple of years with all the projects that you're working on. Um, and really the to have a cohesive plan on how we march forward for the airport. So it's an exciting time it to is. be involved. It's an exciting time for you and your family. And um, we are just very blessed to have you as a part of the Winter Haven community. Thank you so much. I've, it's a real pleasure. And if anybody has any further questions about the airport, feel free. Our whole team would love to, the opportunity to speak with anyone about it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Citizens Bank and Trust, we've been your hometown full-service financial institution right here in your backyard since 1920. 
Now in our third generation of family ownership, we've served the Polk County community for over 100 years. No matter your needs, we have the right financial solutions for you. At Citizens Bank & Trust, we've got you covered, from secure checking and personal savings plans to a wide range of personal, mortgage, and business loans. Additionally, we offer a highly experienced group of trust and private banking professionals located right here in Polk County. It takes just one visit to one of our 14 convenient locations to experience what makes our bank special and why we invite you to give us a try. At Citizens Bank & Trust, we're proud to be your bank. Citizens-Bank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Lisa Pito, ARNP, is a family nurse practitioner with the Lake Wales Medical Group. Ms. Pito evaluates and treats acute and chronic illnesses in both infants and adults. Today we speak about the importance of establishing with a primary care provider and the integral role that nurse practitioners play in improving access to care in Polk County. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So today we are going to be talking about um, primary care and the importance of that. So what or who is a primary care provider? A primary care provider is, is really general medical care, but it's, it's more than that. It's both internal medicine and family medicine providers that um, we specialize in diagnosing, treating, and preventing wide range of conditions. But the importance of a primary care provider really extends beyond the ability to cover a myriad of issues. We've seen in the past several years um, a trend where uh, people don't tend to go to primary care providers as much as they used to, um, but they still need to. And we also see a lot of doctors not going into primary care. In fact, in a, a study they did by the Agency for Healthcare Quality and Research in 2010, there were 624,434 physicians in the United States who spend the majority of their time in direct patient care, but only a third of those are primary care. Mm. And primary care is usually needed much uh, more. Absolutely. I mean, it's really that patient home, right? That's, that's the, the home absolutely. base for the majority of patients. I like to think of myself as like the hub of a wagon wheel. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that you go to with all of the problems, and then we filter you to the correct test, the correct specialist, the correct medications, and, and filter you where you need to be. So um, establishing with a primary care provider, it, it affords you consistency and efficiency on a number of levels. We know who you are, which is good. But we also know the intricacies of your health and wellness, and we can personalize your care based on your needs. In doing that, we save time and money, and we deliver care that's right for you. I know that um, the other primary carers, um, just like me, like to um, not have a one-size-fit-all approach, but really tailor your health care um, to something that's right for you and work on a, a meaningful relationship with you, a patient-provider relationship. 
Yeah, you really answered um, a, a question that I had, which was, why should someone see a primary care provider? And all of those reasons that you listed are so important to an individual's health to have that one person that kind of can tie it all together. Um, so often, yeah. depending on your conditions, right, you you might go see a cardiologist or you might go see a pulmonologist or whatever those different things are, but they're focused on that issue. But your primary exactly. care provider pulls it all together, right? Yeah, we're the ones that kind of look at a lot of specialists because they're, the time and the demand on them is so heavy, they, they focus just on that area that they're called to treat. And so they're not paying attention to what other medications you're taking or what other things are going on in your life. And that's really important um, for us as primary care. We, we are kind of keeping track of everything, all the balls that are going up in the air at the same time. Um, we're responsible for screening all major health-related conditions, managing chronic conditions, and diagnosing treating acute conditions. We can also assist with non-emergent issues and hopefully prevent many issues from becoming emergent. And how do nurse practitioners fill that gap? You mentioned the number of physicians that are or aren't going into primary care, but there's such a valuable resource out there in nurse practitioners. So explain a little bit about how that works. Okay. Well, nurse practitioners um, are set apart from other healthcare providers by our unique emphasis on the health and the well-being of the whole person. Mm. We focus on health promotion promotion, disease prevention, and health education and counseling. Nurse practitioners guide patients in making smarter health and lifestyle choices, which in turn can lower patients' out-of-pocket costs and, and risks. Um, for the longest time, we've really been ready to, to fill this role. We do our own type of diagnosing and treating. And um, since way back with Florence Nightingale, we've had our own diagnostic uh, criteria and our own care planning and, and patient care. Nursing has always been looked upon as the link between the physician and the patient in the hospital, but even outside the hospital, so many things can be managed from a nursing standpoint, which is a much more holistic standpoint. We, we're looking at the patient in relation to their family, as well as to their, in, their individual self. And that really ties in so much with what Advent Health really focuses on, which is to treat the whole person, um, that holistic side. And I mean, I know for, for me personally, through my adulthood, uh, the nurse practitioners that have worked in, in partnership with the primary care physicians um, have often been the person that I've seen <laughs> the most often that, that has mm -hmm. learned about me and my family um, mm -hmm. and really been that, um, that, that confidant as you're going through and, and learning about your health and the health of your, your kids and your family. We kind of look at things in a little bit more, I, I, I guess it's more practical, down to earth. Mm -hmm. Not that doctors um, aren't practical. It's just that they have a different approach. The approach to care is different between nursing and, and medicine. And, and there's a benefit to both. And that's why we work well together. And, you know, patients come see, they can come see a nurse practitioner and, and get a lot of their, their chronic issues and, and, acute issues managed, but we also know when things have kind of reached the end of our scope, when we can say, okay, 
you know what, I, I think this calls for somebody a little bit more skilled or specialized, and that's when we refer you over to a physician. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a lot easier to get into a nurse practitioner. You have to wait a lot less, and it's usually a lot more affordable. And how often do you recommend that a patient comes in to see you? I think it's important to be seen yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, when you establish a relationship with a primary care provider, um, just like a, a friendship, if you don't see them for several years at a time, I mean, so many things change in your life. And how would they know and be able to keep up if they didn't have, you know, a way to see you at least yearly to keep up? So when we're children, yearly routine checkups didn't seem like too much. However, something seems to happen when we become teenagers and young adults. <laughs> Unless we have an injury or illness, many of us rarely take the time to get checked out by a healthcare professional. But many medical issues and health concerns can be avoided and resolved by regular checkups. As a family practice provider, I'm privileged to see a patient from birth all the way through the life scan, so I can see the entire family. Mm-hmm. Infants and small children often need frequent exams to assure vaccinations and developmental milestones are being met. But as adults, routine yearly exams are a great way to keep tabs and keep the relationship current. Individuals with health issues are often seen more than once a year to monitor medications and tests. Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned as adults. I think we just tend to make a lot of excuses as as adults. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, oh, I'm so tired and I'm continually tired. But, you know, that's just X. That's just the kids. That's just I'm working a lot. That's this. Absolutely. But when you can sit down with someone like yourself and say, you know, these are the things I'm experiencing. And you have the knowledge to say, well, you know, we might want to check vitamin D levels or we might want to run different myriad of tests to see if there is something actually underlying. Um, underneath that. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think that annual uh, checkup is so vital. And, and you know, I'm 37, but it, it is interesting to see the number of my friends that are finding things as they go in. And it could be something minor, but if they're able to, to treat it now, it saves it from becoming something major if they had only been going every several years to see their uh, primary Absolutely. care provider. Things I like to tell, I like to tell people when they tell me, well, I haven't needed to be seen by a doctor or the kids were more important. Uh, one of the things that's really more poignant to me is when you, when you listen to flight attendants in, on an airplane and they're talking about the safety measures and they talk about how if you're traveling with somebody that's um, ill or infirm or with a child that needs help, you need to put your mask on first. Because if you don't, you're not going to be any help to the other people. And that's really what I try and tell many adults. You need to take care of you. Because if you don't take care of you, you're not going to be any help to anybody else. That's a perfect analogy, an absolutely perfect analogy. So you mentioned that... uh seeing a nurse practitioner can many times be more affordable. What do you mean by that? Well, I think wellness is much more affordable than illness, Mm -hmm. okay? So by coming more more often, coming in and seeing a nurse practitioner, um, first of all, usually the co-pays are a little bit less with nurse practitioners than they are with um, regular uh, primary care doctors. But wellness, especially with our Affordable Care Act and the things that they're trying to do for our health care, um, wellness is usually little or no cost. And that's important because if you cannot afford to be healthy, then you, 
cannot afford to be sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people will tell me, well, I can't, I can't afford to go and see a doctor because I would have to take off work or I can't, I, you know, you make an appointment and you wait for hours. And so that's a whole day lost. Well, that's one of the great things that's come out of this year of, of sadness and, and overwhelming. Advent Health um, and uh, many health systems have been doing very important work to keep us all very safe and healthy. And we go out of our way to sanitize our office and all of our equipment, as well as we wear masks and social distance. But what's even better is we now have the ability to do virtual or telemedicine visits. Mm -hmm. And those can really save you time and money. Number one, they're usually less expensive than an in-person visit. But Number two, and I think even more important, they're very convenient. Whether it's you're concerned about getting sick or being exposed to someone who is sick or exposing people to whatever may be going on. Telemedicine is a wonderful option. Um, One of the greatest things that that I love about it is um, I, I have a lot of teachers that I take care of. And what's so great is they don't have to take off a whole day of work when they need to get in to get a medication refilled or, or if they're having a problem. They can take, you know, the 10 minutes between a class or on their lunch break and have a visit with me and we can take care of everything that needs to be taken care of in that telemedicine visit. And it didn't cost them a day's pay and it didn't cost mm-hmm. them trying to find someone to you know, a substitute teach, or even for the mom at home, if she doesn't have a babysitter, we can take care of this over the phone or over video. And boy, it makes it so much more affordable, Mm -hmm. so much easier, and so much more secure. And it's nice to not have to leave the house someday. (laughs) Yes, well, that is definitely one of the, the silver linings that has come out of this last year is people's comfort level and adoption of using that uh, as a modality for a checkup, their comfort level with being able to have that face-to-face. I I don't know that there is a a person on the the planet that hasn't at least been on one FaceTime, Zoom, you know, Microsoft Teams, something so that they're having that face-to-face, the definition of face-to-face changing, if you will, a little bit over the last year. amazing as well even for our our snowbird patients Mm -hmm. you know being here in central florida snowbirds that's a that's a very large uh part of our population and one of the things that was always so difficult is they would come down here and we take care of them and get everything organized and and get their health care going and then they would have to leave and go up north and maybe the doctor they saw up there didn't agree with my plan and so changed the plan and so Twice a year, these poor patients were going back and forth between two healthcare providers trying to figure out which one was doing things right. Mm. Well, with telemedicine, the great thing is you don't have to see somebody else up there. You can still see me. We can continue your care, and that's amazing. Mm. And, in fact, I've had several of my snowbirds because they don't want to go and sit in another place after they spent sitting like six to nine months of the year here because of COVID, many of them have taken up RVing. Mm -hmm. And one patient was so excited because she had forgotten to get a refill on her meds while they were RVing um, just a couple weeks ago. And so she was able to call us 
from the middle of nowhere and told us this is the town I'm going to next. And I've looked up a pharmacy. Is there any way you can call in my, my blood pressure medication? Well, absolutely. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, is there anything else I can help you with while we're, while we're on the phone? Is everything okay? You know, and, and so we are able to keep tabs and, and that's a huge, huge blessing. Well, not only for the the patient's adaptability to change, but also for Advent Health and and your practice being able to pivot and adapt to the change to be there for the patient um, is just incredible. So if a patient is interested in um, potentially establishing with you as a primary care provider, where can they go to get more information or a number that they can call? Um, Well, you can call my office, um, which is 863 four one nine eight eight nine zero or they can go on to adventhealth.com and I'm on there. You can also um, link there's a link there that you can go to and you can even schedule yourself. Um, or you can stop by. We're we're super central. Um, there's uh, four main primary care providers with Advent Health here in Polk County. We have two over in Lake Wales. We have Dr. Perez in um, Winter Haven, and then we have several down in Davenport, but I'm kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. I am right in the shopping center next to Eagle Ridge Mall. If you can find Dairy Queen and Bell's Outlet, I'm right between the two of them. (laughs) Good markers to choose there, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Very good. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the call today and sharing this important message. It is so vital to the long-term health and vitality of this community that we get as many people as we can established with primary care providers. And mm-hmm. with um, ARNPs like yourself, it is so important um, to have those individuals here to help to get more people with that access to care. And that is just so huge for the Polk County community, especially. It's been an effort, a very strong effort for the last decade to have more people have that access to care so they're not using the emergency room as their primary care provider. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Women are incredible. Taking care of our health is the best thing we can do for ourselves and our families. That's why Advent Health provides nationally ranked OB and GYN care close to home. From well woman services to pregnancy care to advanced GYN surgery, our team provides a personalized approach for every woman and every stage of life. At Advent Health Heart of Florida, you can access the expertise and whole person support you need. Start your journey today at heartofflordawomen.com. Well, that's it for another episode of It's Happening in the Haven. We'd like to thank our guests for today's podcast, Alex Vaca with the Winter Haven Regional Airport and Lisa Pito, ARNP with Advent Health Lake Wales. Be sure to tune in every week to It's Happening in the Haven, available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. To learn more about Winter Haven and the Chamber of Commerce, visit 
winterhavenchamber.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We hoped you learned a little bit about our community today and even more about the people who are shaping its future. After all, no true community exists without the people who form it. Winter Haven. Some call it a haven. We call it home.